listening to a podcast of Elam Lutheran Church in Osakis, Minnesota. Our passion is to be an oasis of life-giving water where lost and wandering souls can find eternal refreshment. For more information and to find out more about our ministries, please visit osakiselamchurch.com. Or if you're in the area, come visit us in person. Well, our text for this morning comes from the book of 1 John as we continue to make our way through this series, just verse by verse, walking through the book. And today we're in 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. I'll ask you to rise this morning for the reading of God's Word. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there with me. Otherwise, it'll be up on the screen. 1 John 2, verses 12 through 17. John says, I am writing to you, dear children... Because your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God lives in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Let's pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, tells a parable about a goose that was wounded in flight. The goose landed in a barnyard, a chicken coop to be exact, and it quickly grew accustomed to the ways of the chicken. The goose ate the food the chickens ate. It walked like the chickens walked. It clucked like the chickens clucked. It played with the chickens, and it eventually got to the point where this goose thought it was a chicken. But then one day, a flock of geese flew overhead, and they were were honking. And the goose looked up, and Kierkegaard tells us, something stirred within the breast of this goose. Something called him to the skies. He began to flap the wings he hadn't used, and he rose a few feet into the air. Then he stopped, and he settled back again into the mud of the barnyard. He heard the cry, but he settled for less. He heard the cry, but he settled for less. What were you meant for? How do you think you might answer that question? What were you meant for? meant for? And further secondary question, how far would you say the gap is between where you are now and what you were meant for? Here's my contention for this morning. You and I, friends, we are not all that different from the goose. Our stories are very similar. Like the goose, something stirs within our breast from time to time And causes us to look up, right? But rather than follow that longing, we continue to settle. 
here's the main point for today. I'm going to give it to you right off the bat. In our own lives, we as human beings tend to settle for the scarcity of the barnyard when we were meant for the abundance of the sky. In other words, as human beings, we tend to settle when we were really meant for more. John says this in verse 15. Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. Don't love the world. Pretty simple, pretty clear, pretty straightforward, right? Now, I don't know about you, but that's a hard one for me to swallow. Because there's kind of a whole lot of stuff in this world that I think is pretty awesome. The Boundary Waters. Hot tubs, Disneyland, Disney Plus, hunting, fishing, bonfires, sunsets, friends, Reese's peanut butter cups, Nike Air Force Ones, Fortnite. These are a few of my favorite things. There's a whole lot to love in life, isn't there? So what's John's deal? What's he got against the world? Why is loving the world a problem? Well, it's certainly not that everything in the world is intrinsically evil. After all, the whole earth is the Lord's, and God doesn't make junk. Rather, it's problematic. Loving the world is problematic because everything in this world, both good and bad, has the potential to rival our love for God. Since the fall, that's how the human heart is wired. One New Testament scholar puts it this way. He says, it is impossible for love of the world to coexist with love for God, just as it is impossible for light and darkness to be present at the same time. Don't love the things of this world. In other words, don't place undue affection on them. This is super hard, right? Because, I mean, the things of this earth are incredibly alluring, and they do offer short-term pleasure. A new pair of shoes or a new haircut lifts your spirits for the day. A shopping spree gives you a sense of temporary contentment. Buying a new shotgun pumps you full of adrenaline. In the sage words of Tom Haverford from Parks and Recreation, love, love fades away, but things, things are forever. He's wrong, of course, that's the whole joke. And our heads know that. But do our hearts? If we're honest with ourselves, we kind of love our stuff. Sometimes we get so attached to our stuff that it becomes an extension of ourselves. We treat plastic and glass and circuit boards as if they were eternal. Let's do a little thought experiment here. So you have a magical lamp, right? Genie pops up out of this lamp, and he says, I can grant you any three wishes, any three things that you want, what would they be? So without thinking too much about it, just imagine with yourself, what is, what is the first thing that comes to mind? What would yours be? What is it you want more than anything? Maybe a new truck? Maybe a, a new lake home, possibly a big retirement account, 
a vacation to Europe, fortune, fame, pleasure, comfort, safety. I, I really think that that's helpful to, to think about because the way we answer that question says a lot about what we love, doesn't it? The lyrics to Nickelback's song, Rockstar, hit pretty close to home. I want a brand new house on an episode of Cribs and a bathroom I can play baseball in and a king-sized tub big enough for 10 plus me. See, just like the goose stuck in the barnyard, the scarcity of the world looks pretty great when we forget about the abundance of the sky. Is this all we were meant for? When I was a civil engineer, I learned that before you design a bridge, you have to determine the design load. This is how many pounds or how many tons that bridge has to hold. So you do all sorts of calculations based on different loading scenarios to figure out like how thick the steel needs to be, how far apart the rebar should be spaced, and what type of concrete to, to be used, how many supports are needed across the span, right? A bridge can only support so much weight. When that weight limit is exceeded, the bridge falls. Sometimes, catastrophically, it fails, like with the I-35 bridge collapse. Now, this picture right here is a good picture of what John is getting at in our text this morning. He's saying, look, the real problem with investing your love in the things of this world is that they were never designed to carry that much weight. Worldly things, and I'm not just talking about bad things, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I'm talking good things too. Things like marriages and people and, and friendships. These things were never meant to sustain the load of our deepest hopes and desires. When we look to our spouse to complete us, when we need the approval of others to affirm us, when our self-esteem like rises and falls based on how our latest social media post is trending, when we look to the bottom of the bottle to help us survive another week, what are we doing here? We're treating these people and these things as if they were our saviors. We're loading them up with a weight they were never designed to bear. We treat fleeting things as if they were fixed, temporary things as if they were permanent, and penultimate things as if they were ultimate. But, like a spider who laboriously and painstakingly weaves a web that is here today and blown away by the wind tomorrow, none of it lasts. No one captures a sentiment that I can think of better than the band Switchfoot and their song, Gone. They say, today will soon be gone. Like yesterday is gone, like history is gone, the world keeps spinning on, you're going, going, gone, like summer break is gone, like Saturday is gone, 
Just try and prove me wrong. Pretend like you're immortal. We are not infinite. We are not permanent. Nothing's immediate, and we pretend like we're immortal. We're so comforted in our accomplishments. Look at our decadence. Gone. Like Frank Sinatra. Like Elvis and his mom. Like Al Pacino's cash. Nothing lasts in this life. Gone. My high school dreams are gone. My childhood sweets are gone. Life is a day that doesn't last for long. There's great truth there, isn't there? We all know it, and we all feel it. We don't like to admit it. But listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? The answer isn't given, but it's implied. Nothing. You can have comfort. You can have pleasure. You can have the newest iPhone, the biggest truck, a full bank account. You can gain the whole world. Like, you can actually do this. You can go for it. And you may even arrive. But the thing is, after you die, you don't get to take any of that with you. Everything crumbles to dust. But there is something, one thing that really matters. There's one thing that lasts. You see, this fulfillment that you're seeking, this hole in your heart, that void in in your soul that you're trying to fill or more likely trying desperately to convince yourself doesn't exist in the first place, God actually meets it and He supplies for your need. How? Through a relationship with His Son. You see, God answers the deepest longings of our hearts not by providing more stuff, but by providing a person, Jesus. And Jesus is enough. He is all you need. Because of Jesus, friendship with God is possible for you too. Now, I know some of us have had bad experiences with relationships, right? So maybe the idea of starting a new one leaves a bad taste in your mouth. But here's the thing. A relationship with God is categorically different from any other relationship you have ever had in your life in three ways. Here they are. Our relationship with God differs in its foundation, in its duration, and in its goal. Foundation, duration, goal. So first of all, relationship with God differs in its foundation, which is really just to say its starting point, right? When you build a a building from scratch, the very first thing that you you build, you construct is the the foundation. You think of any friendship that you have in your life. Most friendships begin based on a shared interest or a common experience, right? But our relationship with God is founded on the perfect sacrifice of His Son on our behalf, for all our sins before the creation of the world. See, its foundation is one-way love. That's how it starts. 
straight from God's heart to ours, completely undeserved and not dependent upon us or our actions. It starts in the mind of God, in His character, and is brought to fruition through the shed blood of His Son at Calvary. He wins us forgiveness, righteousness, and salvation, which we receive by faith, right? Which is to say we receive this, we receive the benefits of that friendship with God simply by believing. So that's the foundation. But relationship with God also differs in its duration. Worldly relationships, however great they may be, always come to an end, right? Friendship, marriage, sisterhood, brotherhood, all of these, these wonderful connections we have with people, none of them last forever. Friendship with God, however, is eternal. There's no expiration date. And finally, relationship with God differs in its goal. The goal of your relationship with your employer, let's use this as a counterexample. Your relationship with your employer is based... Upon what? What's the goal? The goal, well, is to, to make money. Your entire value to the company depends on your ability to increase the profit margin, right? Your relationship with God, however, is not dependent upon what you can offer Him, but what He offers you. See the difference there? Your relationship with God is not based on what you can offer Him, but what He can offer you. Restoration is the goal. The longer we're in a relationship with God, the more we'll find ourselves being changed, being transformed. The the Christian term for this is sanctification. We find ourselves being formed more and more daily to His image, dying to sin, overcoming sin, being made whole, sanctified and restored to how we were always meant to be. Like the goose in the chicken coop, we were meant for far more than the vain and fleeting pleasures of this earthly life. We were not meant for the scarcity of the barnyard, but the abundance of the sky. Which is to say, we were meant for relationship with Jesus. And by the way, if you don't have that, if all of this talk of relationship with Jesus is strange and is foreign to you, and you're hearing it for the first time, would you do me a favor? Would you come and talk to myself or or one of the elders after the service? There is nothing we would love more than to talk with you about this, to pray with you, and to thank God for His gift of faith with you. As we wrap up our time together today, I'll just share this quote from St. Augustine. It's in the same vein of, everything we've been talking about, and he encourages us here to fix our eyes on what really matters, on what truly lasts. And my prayer for you this week is that we would each take his words to heart and carry them with us. Augustine says, hold fast Christ, for you he became temporal, that you might become eternal. Hey friends, Pastor Luke here. Thanks so much for tuning in. 
I trust that you've been blessed by our message from God's Word today. Hey, we'd love to connect with you more. If you have comments or questions, you can email me directly at pastorchellog at gmail.com. That's Pastor K J O L H A U G at gmail.com. As we wrap up our time together today, please receive this benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. Amen.